Good. Well, again, uh, my name is Vince, and I come from Redeemer Baptist Church. I'm one of our pastoral residents, and uh, again, I've been married for eight years and have two wonderful little girls, and uh, super thankful for, for them. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, you can open those to the book of Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, we'll specifically be looking at verses 14 through 21. And if I could give this a sermon title this morning, it would be entitled, A Prayer for Strength and comprehension, a prayer for strength and comprehension. So as you're finding your place in God's word, and as you're writing that down, I just want to say before we start how, uh, how, tr- how much of an honor and a privilege it is to teach the word of God to you this morning and uh, truly cannot express what a joy it is to help edify the people of God and to help us bring our hearts closer to Christ. So this morning we'll be looking at a uh, very rich and encouraging passage of scripture, uh, specifically a prayer from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church of Ephesus. And I hope that as we study this uh, passage of scripture, uh, we're able to see how this prayer from Paul isn't just pastoral, uh, but it is one that we as followers of Christ and as the church, the people of God, can model for ourselves and ones that we can, one that we can soak and we can truly saturate our hearts in. And so... Uh, With that being said, we're going to read from the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer one more time. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the reading of your word, and we thank you for the scriptures. And Lord, we pray this morning in uh, thankfulness for your word, and we pray that you would open our hearts, that your spirit would touch us, that your spirit would lead us to Christ. And Father, we We pray in thankfulness for your son. We thank you that you have sent your son, Jesus, to pay the debt we deserve to pay. And we thank you for his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We thank you for the gospel. We ask that he would be magnified and the gospel would be preached this morning. It's in Jesus' good name we pray. Amen. So before we really uh, dive into our text this morning. I need to kind of give us a little bit of background and catch us up on where we pick up. And really, uh, where the Apostle Paul starts is is a continuation of what he started at the beginning of chapter 3. And if we had time, we would go uh, even further than that. But we'll stick with chapter 3 this morning. And uh, Paul starts off this chapter by stating that he is a prisoner of Christ on their behalf. And what he states in verse 13 of this chapter is that he is suffering in prison specifically for his preaching and his spreading of the gospel. And he goes on to expound upon this this idea of the mystery of Christ, that when the church of Ephesus reads his words, they may have insight on this mystery. 
And Paul says that this mystery is that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs of the promise of Christ through the gospel message. And with this gospel, the Apostle Paul states that he has been made a minister of Christ to preach the unsearchable riches of our Savior to the Gentiles. And he goes on to say that all of this is according to the external purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus. And he encourages, uh, and he encourages them that they may not lose heart of his suffering for them, again, meaning his imprisonment. And so as we get to our section uh, this morning, we, we see why the Apostle Paul is going before the Father in prayer on behalf of the church. He says, for this reason. And so uh, as, we, as we look at this passage, I want to answer this question, what is the Apostle Paul praying for? What is he praying for? We know why he's praying, but what is he praying for? And so I want us to see two requests that the Apostle Paul brings in prayer on behalf of the church of Ephesus that I hope would help encourage us and maybe even convict us to bring these same requests within our own local congregations. And so the first request we see the Apostle Paul bring is that he prays that the church may be strengthened with power through the Spirit. That the church may be strengthened with power through the Spirit. Let's read verses 14 through the first half of verse 17 again. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. And so we see uh, Paul begin verse 14 saying that he is bowing his knees before the Father. And we see the Apostle Paul take a humble posture and a humble approach to this prayer. And we can imagine that he's physically doing this. He's bowing his knees before God, which really is amazing to think about since he said that he is suffering in prison. We can know that he is bound by chains writing this letter. So as we move into verse 15, he says that he says he's bowing his knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, uh, while studying this, I truly was perplexed by what he's saying here. And there may be some translations that will translate the phrase every family to whole family. But what we can gather from, from this verse and, and from this statement from Paul is that this elevates our sovereign God as Father. And it can be understood that this verse uh, is pointing to the embracing and the uniting of the Jews and the Gentiles through Christ, which Paul points to in verse 6 of this chapter, uh, and that through this promise and through the gospel of Christ, that there is one family in heaven and on earth, and it is God who is father of this family. And as his family and as his children, the people of God, we derive our dependence upon him as the source of our needs and our requests. And so as we move into verse 16, we get to what the Apostle Paul is praying for. It says that, that God may grant his church to be strengthened with power through the Spirit. Now what does he mean by being strengthened with power? Well, the, it's a spiritual strength that comes from God the Father, again, who is the, the source. And this strength is accomplished through the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the whole person or the inner being. Uh, it's a spiritual strength that propels the church to carry out the works of grace in the gospel in a fallen world. It's a spiritual strength that, that helps us to resist the flesh and the schemes of our great enemy and his temptations. It's strength to endure the trials of this life and to endure suffering well. 
It's strength to stand firm and grounded in the word of God, keeping us from false teaching and error within the church. And it's a strength to do as Paul urges them to do in chapter 4, verses 1 through 2 of this same book where he says this. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And as his church, uh, we need to be strengthened uh, by God, and we need him to grant us the strength because we are weak. We're powerless and we're fallible creatures. It's not something that, that comes natural to us. It's the strength that Paul is praying for is not one that we can just somehow, somehow come up with ourselves. It's a divine source of strength that comes only from our powerful and wonderful God. See, we cannot resist the flesh and temptations by our own power. We cannot carry out the works of grace and the gospel in our fallen world on our own ability. We cannot stay grounded in his word by our own beliefs on what the scriptures teach. And we certainly cannot endure suffering, trials, and the pains of this life by our own strength. So we desperately, desperately need God to supply his church with this strength. And notice also that this text does not say that this spiritual strength is according to how good of a person we could be or how good of a Christian we can be. This text says that this strength is only according to the riches of his glory. And we, and we see the result of what the Apostle Paul is, is asking for in the first half of verse 17 is, is so that Christ may dwell in the hearts of his church through faith. This is amazing because it's our great Redeemer and our Lord making his home and his dwelling place within the hearts and the inner being of his people. Uh, we see similar language from the Apostle Paul in his uh, letter to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 16, when he says, Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. Jesus, who is the word made flesh. We see that in John 1, verse 14. Jesus, our good shepherd, John 10, verse 14. He, he is abiding in his church, conforming and molding his people into his own image and bringing us to himself. It's Christ, our Savior, who dwells in the hearts of his people through faith in him and through faith in the gospel message. Now, one last observation in, this, in these verses I want us to see is that, is that this prayer points us and the church of Ephesus to the work of our triune God. We see in verses 14 through 17 that it is all three persons of the Trinity, our wonderful Godhead, working in unity. Is God the Father who is the source of our spiritual strength. The Holy Spirit working through the believer in the inner being. And it is Christ, God the Son, dwelling in the hearts of his people. So, so we would believe that God is three in one. All three persons are God. So ultimately it is God alone who is the source. It is God alone who works in the inner being. And it is God alone who dwells within the hearts of his people. So the first request we see the Apostle Paul bring is before God on behalf of the church is that they may be strengthened with power through the Spirit. The second request we see the Apostle Paul bring is that he prays that the church may comprehend the love of Christ. That the church may comprehend the love of Christ. Let's look at the second half of verse 17 into verse 19. He says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness 
of God. Now, looking at the second half of, of this verse, and it's the statement that Paul says to the Ephesians that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, when we think of being rooted and grounded in something, we think of being firm, unwavering, and, and steadfast. In order for us as the church to comprehend the love of Christ, we must first be rooted and grounded in it ourselves. And for us as the church to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, is only, it's only possible by what we just looked at a moment ago, the work and the strength of God within the inner being of his people. And we cannot, apart from the work of God, uh, begin to even try and comprehend the love of Christ, much less be rooted and grounded in it. Church, uh, let us hear this morning that for us to comprehend the love of Christ is to comprehend the Savior ourselves. And for us to be rooted and grounded in love is to be rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus himself. Now, what, what I'm not saying is that we can fully comprehend our Savior. We certainly don't have the capacity to do so uh, as created beings. Paul even alludes to this in verse 18 when he says that the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. So we most certainly will never be able to fully grasp the measure of all of who he is. However, we are blessed to have the scriptures in our hands and at our disposal. We have the word of God. And as followers of Christ and as his Church, we're able to comprehend and to know God and his love because of what he has already revealed to us. And that we have our, that, that our wonderful Savior, or that our wonderful Creator sent his only Son to manifest love for us. To expound on this, I want us to look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. The Apostle John says this, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God, our, our sovereign ruler over all, sent his only son, Christ, our Savior, to dwell among us. And it is Christ who perfectly displayed his divine love through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we have this written for us. We have this for our good so that we may know God ourselves and so that we may be rooted and grounded in him and in the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we move into verse 18, Paul goes on to the extent of what, the apostle, or of what the church should comprehend regarding the love of Christ. He asked that the church may know what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, essentially asking God that the church, may, uh, that the church would know him fully. Now, I've read this verse and heard this verse many times in my life as a Christian. I've been saved since I was 16, so I've heard this a lot. And, and as I was preparing this sermon, I tried to expound upon this myself and tried to explain uh, this in my own words. But I was reading a commentary on this from uh, one of my favorite Bible commentators, Matthew Henry. And, uh, and, and I get to verse 18 in this commentary, and the way that he words this, this portion truly melted my heart. And so I want to share this quote from his commentary, and I hope that, that these words really do sink into our hearts and our minds this morning. 
Matthew Henry says this. He says, how powerfully the apostle speaks of the love of Christ. The breadth shows its extent to all nations and ranks. The length that it continues from everlasting to everlasting. The depth, it's saving those who are sunk into the depths of sin and misery. The height, it's raising them up to heavenly happiness and glory. Those who receive grace for grace from Christ's fullness may be said to be filled with the fullness of God. And while this most certainly speaks of the love of our wonderful and gracious God, as we've seen a minute ago, for us to know the love of God and to be grounded in it is to know God and to be grounded in him ourselves. Ultimately, it is Christ who is the essence of the words from Matthew Henry, and it is Christ who has displayed this himself. It is Jesus, our Savior, who has revealed himself to all nations and ranks. It is Jesus who is preeminent and who is from everlasting to everlasting. It is Jesus who saves those sunk in the depths of sin and misery by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it is Jesus who raises them up to heavenly happiness and glory and is the fullness of what that looks like. Which brings us to verse 19 when when Paul says that the love of God surpasses knowledge. That though this prayer is that the church of Ephesus may comprehend God's love, again, we must understand that we will never truly grasp and comprehend the full measure of his love. He finishes this verse where he is asking that through all of this, the church may be filled with all the fullness of God himself. And we get a, a glimpse, a small sample size of God's fullness, even within this prayer from Paul. Uh, the working of the spirit, the, the spirit, the indwelling word who is Christ, the extent of God's love. And Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus is that all of this would be evident within the church, his people. Paul concludes this wonderful prayer with an incredible doxology in verses 20 through 21. Let's read this again. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul closes this, this prayer in such an honorable, honorable and God-exalting fashion as it should be. And notice how he describes God and how he ascribes glory to him. He says that our God is a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than all that we could ever ask or think or imagine. And he can supply endless grace and endless mercy and endless love to his church. And our hearts truly can't even grasp at that. But God can do far more abundantly even than this because he is beyond what we could ever truly make sense of. And Paul ascribes glory to him, this strength that Paul is asking for, the working of the Spirit, Christ dwelling in the hearts of his people, us being rooted and grounded in love and comprehending his love and being filled with his fullness. All of this, every request, is that all, all of this would bring the utmost glory and honor to him. So how can we take this pastoral prayer and what we've studied together from Paul to the Ephesian church this morning, how can we apply it to us this morning as a church? 
quickly, I'd like to share two ways on how we can apply this prayer from Paul. The first way we can apply this is for our own personal growth and maturing in Christ. For our own personal growth and maturing in Christ. This prayer is one uh, that we as believers uh, should, should have before us daily and for our own personal growth and, and maturing in our Savior. This is a prayer that as God's children, we can go before the throne of grace with boldness and humility and ask God to strengthen us through His Spirit, to work through us so that Christ may dwell in us and make His home in us. Also so that we may know the extent of Christ. Friends, this is a wonderful, good outline biblically on how we should model our prayers before a wonderful and holy God. I want us to see also that this is a sanctifying prayer, that these attributes Paul is going before God for, strength, power, comprehension, fullness, are attributes that we as believers will need for the rest of our days here in this life. And these attributes are, are ones that he will use to grow and mature his people. We will greatly struggle here in this life. We will greatly struggle. And it's these attributes that, through these attributes that the Lord will work in his children, sanctifying them, growing and maturing us until the day we go with him in glory. Now, it seems as if this, this passage comes at, at, at a timely manner uh, because there are probably some of us, me included, who have legitimate anxiety and worry for, for what's happening in our world today, really in regards to all the, the international tension that's happening right now. And this is a prayer that of strength, comprehension, fullness. This is a prayer uh, is one that we should cling to and that we should memorize and that we should have before us daily and that we can soak our own souls in, resting upon our Savior. These attributes and characteristics in this prayer are also ones that as followers of Christ should overflow out of us as we make our Savior known to a dying, lost, and sinful world. Amen. This is a prayer that aids us and helps us to know Christ ourselves and to make him known. So the second way we can apply this prayer is for uh, is is for the church and for one another. We can apply these requests and take these for the church and for one another. Uh, this is, a, this is a, a prayer that is pastoral in the sense that this is a, a corporate prayer to the Ephesian church. Paul humbly goes before, bows his knees before God on behalf of the church of Ephesus, asking that God may grant them these attributes. And as we study the word of God and mature and we grow in Christ, these requests from Paul should be ones that, uh, that, that here at Fairhaven Baptist Church, and, and I can take this into my own congregation, Redeemer Baptist Church, ones that we should uh, be taking before the Lord on behalf of our own people. We should be encouraged and convicted to pray each day that corporately we would be a church that is strengthened with power through the Spirit. Corporately, we would be a church that, that where Christ dwells in the hearts of his people through faith. And that corporately, we would comprehend the love of Christ. And that corporately, we would be filled with all the fullness of God. 
We can also apply this prayer to, to the church around our world. There are many brothers and sisters who are truly suffering, persecuted, and experiencing great deal of hardship in places around the world, especially in places like the Ukraine and in Russia. This is a prayer that we, that we can pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, ones that we have never met yet. We as God's church, though we've never met these brothers and sisters, are tethered together by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we as the church of our wonderful Savior are called to pray for one another. Now, it's important to see how all of this is truly possible. All of this is only possible because we have the gospel of our great and wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus perfectly, completely displayed strength and power through the Spirit in his life and in his ministry. Jesus Christ displayed love fully and perfectly because he is God himself. Jesus can truly comprehend divine love and the extent of it because he is the one who surpasses knowledge. And finally, all of the fullness of the Father was pleased to dwell in his son, Jesus Christ, who is the exact imprint of the Father's nature and the radiance of his glory. This truly is the apex of what, of, of what Paul is really praying for, that his church and his people would, uh, would be full of Christ and the gospel themselves, both individually and corporately. This, again, is only possible because, because it is Christ alone, Christ alone, who has all the fullness of God and who dwells within the heart of his people. Now, as we close this morning, I'd like to take the opportunity for us to respond in a couple ways. One, for the non-believer. If there's anyone attending this morning and you've heard about the love of God, his strength, fullness, power, comprehension, I need you to know this morning that you cannot truly make sense of this without the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ saving your soul. The gospel is that Jesus paid the price for sin. And that his call is that we would repent of our sin and we would turn to him. And he saves us by his grace alone. We have Brother Jim will be available to pray for you. And I'll be available as well to pray and to lift up any questions that you may have about the gospel as Christ. And for the church and for believers, members of Fairhaven Baptist Church, it's safe to say that, that there are there may be some of us in the room who are heavy laden and bogged down by a long week, tough week. Yeah. And maybe there are some in here this morning who have real anxiety and stress about what's really happening and what might be coming up. And we can take this time to pray for one another, to lift up each other's burdens, to go before the Lord and to pray this wonderful, wonderful prayer of strength and comprehension. I'd like to allow our hearts and take time this morning to marinate on the words of scripture in this prayer from Paul. So as we get ready to do this, I will go ahead and close in prayer. Father, you are so good, you are so gracious, and you are so loving. Thank you for this time in your word, and we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, we come before you, we humbly come before you, Lord, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named.
We ask that according to the riches of your glory, that you would strengthen us with power through your spirit and our inner beings. So that Christ, the gospel, our savior, our good shepherd, our redeemer, our Lord, our friend, would dwell in our hearts through faith. Father, that as we are rooted and grounded in love, may we comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And may our hearts be filled with the fullness of God. We give you glory, Lord, and we ascribe glory to you that you are the God who is able to do abundantly more than all that we could ever ask or think or imagine or even try and make sense of. We pray in thankfulness that you would accomplish this through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray for uh, anyone this morning who does not know you. We pray that, Lord, you would save their heart and soul. God, we pray that through the message of Jesus' life, his perfect life, our wonderful mediator, we pray through his life that he suffered, he bled and he died. He took the cross, he took the nails, he took the crown of thorns on our behalf. We deserve the cross and we pray in thankfulness for this wonderful message. And Lord, we pray that this message, that he wasn't, he, he, he didn't stay dead. Lord, but that we have a God and we have a Savior who is alive and well because he resurrected from the dead. We pray that this message would save those who are sunk in the depths of sin and misery and bring them to heavenly happiness and glory. Father, we pray for your church. We pray for members of Redeemer Baptist, those who you have saved. Lord, we pray that this week may be tough. There might be anxiety, doubt, fear, burdens that we need to lift up. Lord, I pray that as the church, we can bring those before you and before one another, that we may carry each other's burdens. We pray that this message of strength, power, fullness, comprehension would overflow out of our hearts with joy and gladness for our wonderful God who is oh so loving and gracious. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done, and we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your son. We thank you for his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We pray all of this in the name of our wonderful, good, and wonderful Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ.